Hello, welcome to the next exclusive episode of the Talk Norwich City podcast. I am so super excited and humbled to be having a conversation with this guy, a man I grew up watching at the back for City, 382 appearances, 13 goals, 10 seasons, Hall of Fame member, a man Sir Alex Ferguson once described as the best man-to-man market in the country, an absolute stonewall rock at the back. It's Craig Fleming. Firstly, Craig, thank you so much for coming on the Talk Norwich City podcast. How are things going with you? Yeah, very good. Thanks. You'll have to excuse me. I'm just travelling back from another 23s game. I've just watched our under 23s play, did, so I'm in the car. So hopefully you can hear me okay. We can hear you loud and clear, Craig. And, 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 and yeah. did they win? Uh, they did, no. okay. <laughs> they we won't second. talk about that. We won't talk about that. We won't. <laughs> they came second. I like that. Craig, if you don't mind, let's uh, let's take you right back to the beginning. A few years, if you don't mind me saying, you moved from uh, from Oldham to Norwich, nineteen ninety seven, six hundred thousand pounds. By the way, um, that's a lot of money back then, isn't it? Talk us through yeah, your emotions yeah. at that time. Um, it came totally out of the blue, to be honest with you. I remember getting a call. Um, I was out of contract all them. I let my contract run out. But it was in the days, it was pre-Bosman. So it was, you know, the old um, wow tribunal used to, they used to set the fee. Wow, um, blimey. So I got a call and totally out of the blue from uh, from the, my age for the PFA to be at the time, to be honest with you. And he said that Norwich were interested and straight away I was like, so I'd always quite like playing there. And it's obviously a big club, so it got done that summer. Oh, brilliant. And, and, and when you walked through the Colney Gates at the time... Were you nervous? Were you like, can I do this? Am I ready for it? Uh, I wasn't nervous or, or no, or, or doubting myself, not at all. No, I'd had a few seasons, well, th- three or four seasons of the Premier League, and pretty much kind of secured a championship or division uh, two, as it was the championship. Uh, I knew I could handle that level. So, no, I wasn't nervous at all. I was excited. It was a big club. They just built the training ground. So, Colney was brand new at the time and he was pretty much one of the best in the country. So I was just excited, to be honest with you. Oh, love to hear that, Craig. And and uh, let's get straight into the, the, the meaty stuff now, which is what how I best remember you, which is your partnership with big Malky Mackay at the back. Because for me, <laughs> honestly, hand on heart, since then, I haven't seen such a solid partnership for Norwich. What, what made it work? What made it click? Why were you two just so good at the back together? Um, I think, well, I don't think it's definitely that we both had deficiencies and we both had strengths and our strengths kind of made up for the other one's deficiencies. Okay. So we just kind of gelled that way, I think. I think, you know, if you, if you spoke about Malky, Colossus, he was big, he was great in the air, maybe not the most mobile, (laughs) um, but, but, but a good defender. But then next to me, he had somebody that was pretty mobile, comfortably on the ball but not the biggest so we, we kind of blended nicely so if we were playing against a big lump Malky would go and sort him out if we were playing against somebody <laughs> more Malky you'd sort them I'd out I'd look after him yeah exactly yeah oh I love that and and of course it wasn't all just about Malky was it because there was there was Drury there was Greeno in between the sticks as well these are these are massive players for Norwich in the history of the club yeah I think I think the team that won the um Championship. I mean, if you go through that team, I think there were some pretty good players in that side, to be honest with you. Um, so, whilst it was 
it was a good partnership with me and Malky. I think we were very, we were helped with it. We had two very strong fullbacks either side of us, a very good goalkeeper and a strong midfield as well. And obviously the big man up top, you and who, you know, used to make things stick up there. Oh, I mean, that, that squad, that 03-04 season when we won the league, promoted to the Prey. And of course, you won player of the season that year. I mean, was that the best season of your career? Um... <laughs> tough, that is a tough question, mate. You got me there. Because there you go. <laughs> I, had, I had a couple of years at Oldham where I was in the Premier League, uh, got through to the semi-final in the FA Cup against Man United at Wembley, 10 seconds away from being in the Cup final. Oh, um, wow. We stayed in the league one, one year at Oldham when we were nine points behind with a week to go. Yeah. Um, and stayed up. But I think for actual success and actual for changing the club, I think that is probably the best year, to be honest with you. Um, you know, Norwich had been out the, the top flight for quite a while. Mm. Uh, they'd had financial difficulties just before I signed, um, before Delia took over. So I think, yeah, all in all, I think you know, winning the winning the championship, player of the year, yeah, has to go down as the best year of my career. I mean, you, you actually, and and it must have been a, a like a, a really good personal achievement as well, because of course you came close to winning the player of the season a couple of times before you won it as well. So for you to to pick up the Barry Butler Memorial Trophy in front of the city stand must have been a proud moment for you and your family. Yeah, massive. I mean, the Barry Butler Trophy, you know, it's such a big thing at the club, um, and, and rightly so. Uh, other clubs, player of the year, not so much. You know, they don't make such a big deal of it. But at, but at Norwich, it was it was it's a big award. The fans getting and voting massive numbers. Um, so it meant a lot. I've been close a couple of times uh, to win it. The year we win mm. the championship, obviously, it's fantastic. And and fr- from the highs. Back down to the lows, Craig. Now I'm gonna. Unfortunately, I'm gonna take you probably if down. If you talk qu- about Craven Cottage, I'm not gonna talk about it. Oh well, uh, well now you've said that, we will we will bring that up. But first of all, I'm gonna put you through some more pain, Craig. Two thousand two. Can you okay. guess? Oh, Millennium yeah. Stadium. It's another one. I, I've got this great memory that kind of lets things go that weren't so great. <laughs> <laughs> Playoff final, 2002. Oh, the old Ewan Roberts teeth out, penalty shootout. I mean, that must have hurt you beyond belief, Craig. Yeah, I mean, I remember the the biggest memory of that day is, apart from obviously the, the build-up and the stadium being so fantastic, was uh, both me and you had been really upset after the game because I think we both thought that was it, really. We were both in our 30s. Um, we really thought we were going to do it. We were on such a good roll. Um and I honestly thought that was it. We were done. I thought that we'd never get another chance to go back up to the top of the plot. Wow. Blimey. And and it, at that moment, as you said, you thought, that's it. We're done. Career over. Not necessarily career over. Career, top flight chance of career over. I thought, I mm. thought that I'd got to an age where it was now or never. I thought, you know, I could kind of sense that there was a young guns coming up and coming through and it might be a change of the guard type yeah. scenario. Um, so yeah, it was it was a it, 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 it was a pretty poor day. To be with you. Right, let's quickly get it back on a positive note. Then before we speak to you about Craven <laughs> Cottage, <laughs> I want to talk about Nigel Worthington. We talk a lot on this podcast about Paul Lambert, a lot about Chris Hutton, but I want to go back further to Nigel Worthington. You know, the first the first manager that, that I grew up watching, and and of course, like such a fantastic campaign, such a fantastic a uh, few fantastic seasons, but particularly oh three oh four. And I kind of want to know from your point of view, what was it about Worthy that that got you playing for him? What was he like to to play under as a manager? I think at his best, Nigel was 
very simple, uh, very uncomplicated. And I mean that as a positive. He was very organized. Um, he just wanted you to work hard, do, do the things that he wanted, do them well, be professional, be mm. disciplined. And if you did that, you were fine. If, if you didn't, you, you were in trouble and you knew that you were out the door. So he was, when I say simple, I don't mean it in a negative. I mean, it was very simple the, the way he wanted us to play. Yeah. He was very simple of the things he wanted you in the dressing room to do and out of the dressing room. And you knew where you stood. There was no grey areas. But, but you know what? I quite like that, Craig. I think actually there sometimes you need to keep things simple. And if I look back and I think back now to that time watching Norwich, obviously watching Norwich now, it's quite complicated. It's very um, it's, it's very fast moving and fluent. And, and, and actually, I look back at the time that, that you played and I just remember it being so organized. And I remember one of the first things that you used to do at kickoff is you used to literally boot it into the snake pit corner to put them on the back foot straight away. Nigel Worthington kept it simple, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, it's, he, he, had a, he had a clear way that he wanted to play. I think a good thing that he did was he, he, he got the dressing room sorted. You know, there was, there was no bad guys in the dressing room. He, he got a squad together of real good guys, real strong characters, real good guys. Um, we knew what he wanted and we went out and delivered it for him. Speaking of good guys, Craig, Ewan, Greeno, Hux, if you had to pinpoint the man of that 03-04 season, who would it be? Who was the man for you? Apart uh, from you, obviously. Beauty. You're not allowed to say yeah. yourself. <laughs> I think that's the beauty of it. I think there were so many. I think there was. I think that was the beauty of it, and that's why we not. That's why we won the league. Basically, I think that, that we had so many leaders, so many good guys, people policing the dressing room. That it wasn't one standout guy. They, they were everywhere. You know, the, even people that weren't playing. I think of people like Paul Crichton. I think Phil Mulrine, Paul McVeigh, they were Gary Holt. They were literally everywhere. So even if one did step out a little bit, there'd be four or five right down his throat. So. I was I was going to actually force you to give me a player, but that was such a lovely answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let you off, Craig. Ha, have... I think, I mean, listen, if I was going to give you one player oh, go in on. terms of football, yeah, and I mean it's such an obvious answer. To win the league, you have to be organised. You have to be disciplined. You have to have real good, solid pros. We had those in abundance, but then you need a little bit of magic dust, and obviously Hooks was the was the magic dust for me. I mean, he was. You had people like me, you and Malky, Eddie. Adam Drury, Phil Mulrine, Gary Holt, all these characters that were strong and decent and good guys. And then you added that little bit to it and you transformed it into a, a title winning team. I could not agree more because you need that solid foundation. But of course, that that magicness, that that unpredictability. And that's what, I, I mean, I just remember Hux getting like, people off their feet. And I, and I know that that's quite cliche in football, but he really was one of those players. And what, what, what was it like being behind the scenes with Hux? Cause there's a lot of talk about, you know, for example, he didn't, he didn't have breakfast and, and things like that, but what was it that gave him the edge o over, over his peers? His pace was incredible to be honest with you. His pace was, he could take the team from the edge of our box to the edge of their boxing in like a heartbeat. Um, and that scares people. <laughs> you know what I mean, if you've got that kind of pace coming up, it, it scares people. It stretches defences, stretches midfields, and, and then gave the, the space to play for other people. And as well as his pace, he could play. You know what I mean? I, I think it's probably underestimated a little bit, but he, a lot of pacey players sometimes aren't the brightest and, and, and rely too much on the pace. But he, he had a good football brain and he could play as well. And and someone else that that I I vividly remember from that season is is Robert Green. Let's let's have a word on Robert Green because I remember 
his throw was ridiculous. He would literally launch it from, from his box easily into the opposition's half. I mean, for you as a defender, obviously, there's always the, the saying of the, the goal is that is literally the last line of defence, which is true. But it must have given you so much confidence that even if you messed up, which didn't happen, of course, but even if you did mess up, you know, you had every faith that Greeno was going to pull off a blinder. Yeah, he was top class. I mean, he was top class. He was a young kid coming in straight away. You knew he was he was decent. I mean, he went on to play for England, obviously. And I think if you think of any any league, any any team that wins the championship, there'll be similarities in all the teams. You know, they'll have a solid spine throughout the side, from goalkeeper, centre halves, midfielders, and centre forwards. They'll have a you know spine. So if you if you go back to the great Man United teams, they had Schmeichel in there and yeah. Bruce and Pallister and people like that. And I think that's what we had. You know, we had a, you had you had real spine of the team that was very, very strong. Obviously, I could not agree with, more. Starting with green goals. Oh, and you and up top, of course. And just, exactly. yeah. oh, and I think that, I think the other thing is, is fear factor. Do you think teams feared playing you at that point, Craig? Because you were just so organised, yet so venomous going forwards. I think they must have done, to be honest with you. I would have, I would have thought so. I don't know. To be honest, my honest answer is I don't know. I know that we, if you reverse the question, I know that we didn't fear anybody. That we were, we got to a point where we were going into games thinking we're going to win this. That even if we went one nil down, it was like, now nah, we've got, we'll, we'll, we'll be all right. We'll win this. Right. Well, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. But I'm going to tip you back off the cliff again. I'm going to put you in Craven Cottage. You brought it up, not me, Craig. Craven Cottage. I'm still, I'm still a bit angry. I'm, I remember actually literally crying, well, genuine tears. If you, that day. if you should, if you should rate your anger. As a number, if you times it by a hundred, you're probably getting somewhere near where I am or was. Oh, really? I mean, what? <laughs> Seriously, Craig, we've got to flesh this out. What the hell went wrong? We needed a draw. We only needed the draw. I know. I know. Uh, I don't, um, it was horrific. I'm not going to lie. It was terrible. Um, I think the spirit that we had that won the league and and the togetherness and everybody pulling in the right direction, we didn't have. To be honest with you, if I'm being brutally honest with you, I didn't think we had it. Wow. Um, Why? Was it know. was it new players that came in? I mean... I don't think we had bad lads or bad... I think we had such a special togetherness and we'd been together a little while and added to it and, and everybody pulling in the same direction. I just don't, I don't feel we had it. And the, hey, that's a rare occurrence that you get that because there aren't many teams that win championships. You know, whatever league. There's only... You know, there's only one per, per it's the obvious answer, but there's only one team per season that gets to win the championship. Yeah. So there's not there's not many in I played for twenty odd years and I probably encountered that togetherness only a couple of times. Like total togetherness. Um we didn't have we didn't have it. We just didn't I didn't, I didn't think we had it. I didn't think we had it. I think we had people pulling in slightly different directions for maybe their own benefit mm. um, the game itself obviously we went chasing it I mean I'm, I think the, at one point we had me and Shaxx at the back so we were playing a back two because we knew we had to get something out of the game so it was it was uh, it wasn't great once we went to three we went chasing it and you know we could have shut out that game three nil three nil and it and it been but Nigel went for it he knew that we had to win so we ended up playing you know two at the back and God knows how many up front and it was just yeah it was <laughs> Tell me about it. In fact, let, let's quickly move on. Let's get out of Craven Cottage. Let's go back up again. I promise you, this is the last part of the roller coaster. And um, if you, if if I could give you a time machine, a big yellow and green time machine now, and put you back to a particular moment in yellow and green, on or off the pitch, what would it be and why? 
there'll be two. Okay. You're allowed to. Two. You can you can have three. You can have four. Uh, I've got two. It would be most definitely the season we won the league. Yeah. Because I think that was just incredible. But what moment, the, Craig? The whole lot of it was just brilliant. I'm not going to lie. The games, the going into games and thinking, cool, we're going to win today. And then actually doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. The spirit amongst the boys on and off the pitch was incredible. Yeah. The the celebration when we did it, I mean, I've never seen scenes like that ever in my life. So many people came out in the city. The over top bus. Oh, my words. Incredible. How many it, drinks were consumed that night? Literally, I'm not joking now. The hair is standing up a little bit. I haven't got any hair on my head, as you know. But <laughs> the, the little hair that I've got somewhere is, is standing on. It was incredible. It was unbelievable. I mean, and then if I could have a second one, yeah, go on. I would have been more vocal, perhaps. Not perhaps. I would have been more vocal and tried to keep everybody together to have a crack at the Premier League together. Oh. Still gone out and got stuff. Still gone out and got people. And hindsight's fantastic. Hindsight's brilliant. But I think if I could have gone back and really tried to influence keeping you and keeping everybody together, but still getting Dean Ashton in at the start of the season, not not that would be if you could go back in time. Well, spe- speaking of going back in time, Craig, if you could do your time again, especially with your experience now working with, with uh, obviously young and up-and-coming talent at Southampton, what would you say to an 18-year-old Craig Fleming? Big question. What would you say to an 18-year-old Craig Fleming? Because, I'll tell you the reason why, because of the fact that you're a coach and you've got so much experience, you've seen it all from top to the bottom, the lows, the highs, what would the key piece of of advice you would give now to a young 18-year-old player? Um, For me, if I was giving myself the advice on my career, yeah. I went to the Premier League at 19, or Division 1 as it was then from Halifax. Um, and I got injured. I got diagnosed with a double hernia and carried on playing. Blimey. And I wouldn't have done. I'd gone back and said, no, don't do it. Wow. It was the year that we made the, the semi-final of the Cup and I carried on playing, carried on playing, carried on playing. And ultimately, it took about a yard, two yards of pace off me because I, re- I never really recovered from it. I carried on playing and had other bits and bobs wrong. I'd have just gone in and got it sorted and got it done. You wouldn't have known that, by the way. Ten seasons later, Hall of Fame member. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's unbelievable. As a kid, I could seriously shift. I could seriously see. I had, I had top, top pace that would have probably given me a top, top chance of playing uh, Premier League football for a lot longer than I did. Um, well, we're pleased we had you at Norwich anyway. <laughs> what was your time like at Lowestoft, and and how you know how has that developed you as a coach? Massively, um, it was it was very very good. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, we had three, four promo, three promotions. Um, great bunch of people, really really great bunch of people all together. Mm. Fantastic lads there. Um, so that aside, on a coaching point of view, it was brilliant because it's at the, it was proper cold face coaching. You know, you turn up for a session. I think I'd have a set amount of numbers. I'd think about the session I was going to put on and then all of a sudden two can't make it because they've had to work late. Maybe one's got caught on the M25 and wow. can't get up from London. So then it, it, it was really think, standing on your feet and thinking, which has prepared me massively. I think a lot of young coaches now go straight into academies where everything's laid on. The equipment's first rate. You know, yeah. everything's perfect. Everything's great. It was it was a real grounding of, of, of coaching, which it, to be honest with you, has been invaluable. 
I mean, and and of course now you're you're at the top of the tree. For, I'm right in saying first team assistant coach at Southampton, and 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 how has that been did, working yeah. with Ralph and Co? Incredible, um, absolutely incredible. I mean, it's been a dream to be honest with you. I mean, I went in there as the under 18s yes uh, assistant coach. Um, so at the time, Ronald Koeman was first team manager. The way the training ground set up, that the PDP, the professional development phase, so that's the 18s and 23s. The office is one down from the manager's office and the first team coaches. Yep. So, so I started off with Ronald Koeman, obviously the Dutch way. And then he left, and Claude came in French, and he left, and then uh, Pellegrino came in South American. Then we, you know, we've had uh, Mark Hughes, who I knew, obviously. So I've had a real blend of different styles and different uh, theories and different ways of playing from all around the world. And then I got moved up to the 23s, and then. Uh, took over with Kelvin. Kelvin Davis asked me to do the game, one game with him uh, when Mark got the sack. Um, so we took charge of the team against Tottenham at Wembley. Um, wow. Knowing that Ralph was in the stands, knowing that Ralph had got the job. Uh, Ralph came in and said uh, he'd, he'd give me a crack. So he, he was coming in with just one man. Um, so he kept everybody in but said, look, you're on trial. If I like you, you, you you'll mm. stay. If you don't, you'll be back to your normal jobs. Brilliant, and thank and thankfully he's he's kept me, and um, it's incredible. I mean, he is unbelievable. I mean, I've obviously played him as a defender all my career, and and, and with that having a, a you know what I thought was a good understanding of defensive shape and detail and stuff, it's it's just blown it out of the park. Oh, wow, incredible. seriously it, incredible. It's, like, it's been like really going to football university. To be honest with you, it's it is incredible. He's especially off the ball stuff and his pressing is off the scale good. Craig, speaking about Southampton in itself, Southampton, I think it might be fair to say, is actually a club of envy for Norwich fans because, of course, we went up together. Southampton have managed to maintain that level. They've had some world-class players. You think of Mane, for example. They've obviously been a club that, that, that sold. But you speak there very much of, you know, Football University, the the, the talent, the setup. What is how do newly promoted sides become as as good as Southampton? How do clubs how do clubs maintain that Premier League status like Southampton have done? I think it's incredibly well run. They've got very good people doing the right jobs. Um, that's one thing that really struck me. Um, but the similarities are very very strong. To be honest with you, they're, they're both. You know, you look at the academy, both half the catchment areas are water. So you obviously were both coast, both coast. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a new forest, there's a new forest in the Norfolk Broads, similar area. You know what I mean? It's similar the size of the club, the yeah. passion of the fans. They're very, very similar. Um, I think previously, maybe past regimes, I don't know whether it was totally aligned, but I think is it uh, Stuart Weber, isn't it? He come in and yes. I think he's. From the outside looking in, and I am most definitely on the outside now, obviously living in Southampton, it it looks like it's a well-run ship now, to be honest with you. It looks like it's got a proper identity now that they've got a style of playing. They really are bringing the youth through. Mm. You know, the, Obviously, our academy is famed all over, you know, all over Europe and the world yeah. about bringing, producing players historically and, and, and now. And it looks like Norwich are doing that. Mm. You know, they've got some exciting youngsters in the team. So I think it's just a case of you know staying in there Staying in the Premier League, um, but but getting well organised, getting organised, and, and having a real structure so you can see the, the way they play on and off, off the pitch, on on the pitch. That, that, that there's a real Norwich way of doing. 
things. Because there was, a, when I came down, there was an actual Southampton way, and there still is. Uh, and it, I, know that, I know everybody has the, the way, the whatever way it is. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but they actually live and breathe it down here. They, they, it's not just words. There is a way, mm. and they do it. I think Always. a lot of clubs do that, don't they, Craig? They, they have values. I mean, businesses do this as well, not just football clubs. They yeah. put words up on the wall and they kind of just go, yeah, there are values. And then they look at them at the Christmas party and laugh. And actually yeah. what Southampton have done is they've put those words up on the wall and every player lives in Brazil. Craig, there's a player, one particular player that I want to I want to ask you about, which is, of course, uh, a link between Southampton and Norwich. And that's Angus Gunn, one of our own. It's been, yeah. it's been a really tough season for Angus, isn't it? But what a talent. Oh, he's a good player. He's a very good player. He's a, it's been tough for him because obviously, you know, we've one or two of the results when he was there was, weren't great, but it wasn't really down to him. And goalkeepings, there's just one of them. So, you know, it's so difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, a, it's a horrible position to play in when it comes to that, that, you know, if you're a centre-back, there's two of you, there's a chance of, of a suspension, there's a chance of injury. It, you know, for outfield players, that's the kind of reality. For goalkeepers through no fault of your own sometimes you can be out of the team and, and not get sniffed for a season or two you know it's so but he's, he is a talent he's still very young um, and he, I'm sure he'll go on and have a, you know, a really good career and, and speaking of talent Nathan Redmond as well another link between Southampton and Norwich I mean uh, just an electric player to watch and enjoy yeah very good when I came to the club he was an exciting talent um, very good player and I think that since his time with Ralph, he's matured and he's become a top, top player for me. I think it's pretty similar kind of thing to Sterling at Man City in the early days of Pep when he was Sterling was very exciting, but a bit erratic and end product, yeah. maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But Nate's like now, I think Nate, you look at Nate now and I see he's, I mean, unfortunately he's injured at the moment, but prior to his injury, I thought he was playing fantastic. Mm. Craig, what have you made of, of Norwich back in the Premier League this season? Because it's been it's been a tough whole season for us Canaries. But what have you made from from your point of view, and especially with your coaching hat on? What have you made of, of Norwich tactically this season? Uh, uh, to be honest, with you, I think it'd be unfair for me to comment on on on, on somebody else's team. So I'll, I'll, I'll sure. just go with the positive. I'll just go with the. I think that of course they play very attractive football at the best. They're very, very dangerous on the ball, as they showed against um, Man City and other teams. That, that, that once, if you get them flowing, they're, they're a difficult team to play against on the ball. I think the main thing that I really like is the fact that they've just gone out and you've gone, you know what, we're giving the kids a go. Love they're, that. There's some exciting, and, and their own, do you know what I mean? They're, they're academy. They're academy kids that have come through, which is, I think for anybody, that's, that's the dream ticket when you see kids coming through your academy and then playing in the Premier League and actually doing really well. I think that's, I think that's the thing that's uh, stand out for the season. I think you've nailed it there, Craig. And it's only really been the, the recent years that Norwich have, in my opinion, given the young players a fair crack of the whip. And, and quite often, I think actually, I mean, people talk about throwing the kids in. Actually, you know what? I think a lot of the, the, the kids or the young guys are actually got ability and an abundance and, and actually, they're bursting at the seams, ready to go on, ready to perform. I think this is kind of like a myth of putting the kids in. I, I think you're right. And even if you look at a player like Todd Cantwell, for example, this season, he's been absolutely brilliant for Norwich. And I'm, I'm so pleased that you've highlighted that because I think it's a, a key element of, of, of the way that, that, that Norwich play. It takes bravery. That's the thing. It, it, it takes bravery yeah. to, to 
because the safe option is to go with the tried and trusted. Yeah. You know, we know he'll do a job. And But I think it takes bravery from the manager or the coach or and, and, and the guys above, in, you know, that sit in the boardroom to go, you know what, do it. We'll back you. Because you never know. You never know unless you play them, do you? you unless you actually give them a go yeah. and throw them in. You, you never know. As soon as, and, and to be fair, they've done it and I think they've, they've got some exciting talent there. Thank some real exciting talent. I'm so pleased that, that so, someone of, of your history and, and your career has said that. It, it means a lot. And, and I know that the Norwich um, players and fans will like to hear that. Craig, obviously thousands of Norwich fans listening right now. Have you got a message for them at all? On the ball city. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, Craig, honestly, thank you so much. I really appreciate your, your time. I know you're a busy man. I know that you've, you've just been coaching. So it, it means a lot to us. Um, and of course, to, to all the Norwich fans listening around the world right now, if you've enjoyed this one, don't forget to give us a five star review on iTunes and make sure you're following at Talk Norwich City on social media for the best city content on the internet what did you think of this episode of the tnc podcast what do you think of craig fleming what are your memories of craig fleming why not give us a tweet now and i'll make sure we reply to you and without further ado i'll finish with an on the ball city cheers craig top man